Welcome to New Thought 2020 and Beyond. I'm Robert Brzezinski, your host, and I invite you to join my guests and I as we explore the social and political issues of our day from a higher consciousness. Together, we'll explore the events, discussions, and opportunities that are shaping our world and future. Together, we'll do the work of creating a world that works better for everyone. Join us, New Thought 2020 and beyond. And hello, dear ones. Robert Brzezinski with you again with another episode of New Thought 2020 and Beyond, the talk show where we explore the social and political issues of our day from a higher consciousness. I'm really, really excited because I've got what I believe is one of the, uh, the, the growing leaders, the next generation of leaders in the New Thought movement. That's Reverend Masando Hiroka. We're going to speak at length on a couple of what I believe are important topics in the world today. But you know how this program goes. Before we do any of that, let's get centered, find a place to do a little bit of prayer work here. Now, remember, if you're operating machinery, listening to this while you're driving a vehicle or doing anything where it's not safe to close your eyes and be in a meditative state, then uh, please either pull over or uh, just keep your eyes open. But if you are in a safe space and it is comfortable, go ahead, please. Feel free to close your eyes and join in a moment. Join in this moment. Join into this moment as I come to recognize the one. That one power, presence, and intelligence that is right now moving and breathing and having its being as all of life. That one self-existent cause that is forever taking on form and abandoning that form in order to take on new form. The one love, the one life, the one vision, the one truth that is right now beating its heart as my life, as all life. The lives of Reverend Masando and each one that hears this word, this experience at a now or at a later date. No matter what the time, there is just the wholeness, the oneness. And so at the center of that, what I know is I know there is a perfection revealing itself here this day through this conversation, through this exploration. This is an opportunity for God to come together and get to know itself so much better through contemplation and through consideration of the issues and the questions and the opportunities of this day. So I am filled in this moment with absolute excitement for what reveals itself here this day and an absolute gratitude to know that it's all God, that it's all good, that what is happening right here, right now is absolutely perfect that everyone is in the right moment, in the right space, in the right time. And a great revelation has already begun. A great revelation has already begun. I'm grateful just to be witness to what unfolds here this day. And to know it is good. It could be no other way. 
And so I allow it to be. I open up this time and I just say, and so it is. So it is. Thank you. All righty, dear ones. Again, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am, again, excited. We've got another special guest with us this week. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit of his bio here for you, and we'll jump in. You're going to get to know this gentleman. I think you're going to get to uh, real quickly get to know and love his heart and his perspective on living a spiritual life and uh, New Thought 2020. So uh, Reverend Masanda Hiroka received his BA in Religious Studies from the University of Colorado in Boulder. He was introduced to his meditation practice in his travels to India through Naropa University's Buddhist Studies program and received a master's in consciousness studies from the Holmes Institute. He has, <clears throat> excuse me, he has a monthly column, The Art of Being Human, in the Science of Mind magazine. We had Reverend David Goldberg, with, Dr. Goldberg, with us a uh, few weeks back. So you remember we talked about Science of Mind magazine. So he's got a monthly column there, The Art of Being Human. It's great. I really highly uh, encourage you to read it. And he also has a website of writing and videos at humanspirituality.net. Remember, I'll make sure I put all those notes in the, uh, at the bottom of the, the episode notes. Uh, currently, Reverend Masando is an assistant minister at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado, and he's in charge of the social uplift ministry. Now, we've heard that term on this program before, Masando. Uh, both Dr. Jim Lockhart was with us and uh, David Goldberg. We've been talking a lot about AGNT's social uplift ministry. So here is Mile High's social uplift ministry. And that focuses on interfaith engagement, environmental responsibility, which is something we're going to talk a lot about today, and nonviolence and human dignity for all. Now, this includes racial justice and creating a culture of inclusion. Masando also happens to be the first graduate and now the chair of the Center for Spiritual Living's Regeneration Program. This program provides mentorship and funding for young adults under 35 who are pursuing or becoming a minister. You can book time with Reverend Masando for personal spiritual counseling or to guest speak, and I'm going to give you all that information. Again, we'll talk about all that stuff later in the program. But for right now, wow. <laughs> it sounds, you've been busy. As yeah, I guess so. It's, it's funny to hear all that all at once. <laughs> it's over many years, but that was, yeah, thanks so much for the intro. Absolutely. So welcome aboard. I'm really excited to have you uh, with us today. For my listeners, Reverend Masando and I met the first time at a uh, winter teen camp here yeah. in uh, Colorado. You were hanging up, hanging out up at the, in Seattle at the time and had yeah. come down and uh, at that time, I didn't realize how deep your roots and family are in Colorado and <laughs> in, in Colorado and off to other places with your ministry. And you're back here in Colorado again now here at Mile High. So it's wonderful to, that uh, I know you've been back for a couple of years now. But um, So here's the topic I really want to jump into. Sweet. Because we've been throwing this term around and for me, it requires each of us to sort of come to a, a personal definition that then can work towards a collective definition. Sure. And the term is radical inclusivity. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to start there. What's your take on that? How, how, what's the definition, your definition? How do you practice it? How do you avoid making the other guy wrong, especially mm -hmm. in the face of some of today's politics? Sure. Help us understand that a little. 
Yeah, well, first of all, I recognize that like language is a tricky thing, right? Like, uh, and as we go through the years, words that have meant something at one time can mean something different in another. And so I also recognize that that word radical can be misunderstood and can be used within contexts that I think may or may not be actually beneficial to the conversation that we're having now. Yet, if you like look at the word, I mean, I'm talking about like the way that radical is often used within, within politics, right? Um, or, you know, or even within, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, shootings that we've seen around uh, our country, right? Often they talk about like someone uh, uh, being radicalized, right? right. Um, or they, the, the term radical Islamic terrorist is used. Um, so, you know, often this word radical is, is used within sort of negative extreme circumstances or contexts. Uh, so I just want to like, you know, begin with saying I recognize that that word can, you know, be misunderstood and the context in which we find that word can often be negative, right? Right. But, you know, when you look at the word itself, when you look at the, you know, the etymology of the word, really, all radical really means is like going to the root, right? Radical is just sort of foundational. Right. It, it doesn't necessarily mean extreme, but it means that we spend enough time with whatever we're considering to come after that word radical to go to the root. Right. To go to the foundation, um, which is a lot of, you know, a, which is a big part of our spiritual path. Right. Mm-hmm. So much of our spiritual path is seeking to go to the root of our belief systems, seeking to go to the root of how, you know, we're, we're really looking at ourselves in the world. So a radical practice really just involves, you know, that foundational going to the root. Gotcha. So if I'm hearing you correctly, radical inclusion is not raging against the <laughs> current machine or the current standard <laughs> to force inclusion upon others. It's more of a returning to our natural state and the roots of who we are as beings, which is inclusive. Yeah. I mean, I think that word radical encourages us to go deep, right? And it encourages us to go and do the personal work of inclusion. It asks us to look at the ways in which we are maybe being unintentionally uninclusive. That word radical asks us to dig down to the root uh, and do, like I said, that deeper work uh, so that in creating a culture of inclusion, uh, we're doing so in a way that is that is honoring of not just the ways that we want to see inclusion uh, appear, but in the actual practice of inclusion being like a transformative practice, a spiritual practice, and one that asks us to go deeper into our shared identity as human beings uh, and into the ways that we may be unconscious of uh, uh, that um, that divide us, right? That right. that uh, that unintentionally or unconsciously uh, create separation, right? 
That's why so much of the work of inclusion and specifically of the work of diversity and inclusion is sort of this deep, uh, deep work, this deep uncovering of unconscious bias, this, this deeper work of recognizing uh, the, the culture and the, the, the cultural conditioning that we've all been steeped in for all of our lives, right? And that has been operating on unconscious and subconscious levels that, you know, become pretty deep within us. So doing the work of uncovering that, uh, dismantling it, and then in its place creating, uh, you know, a, 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 an idea that that works for more, right? That works for more people. Um, that's deep work, right? That's radical work. It, it asks us um, to not just say we're welcome to everybody. It asks us to look at the ways that that we can actually create an experience uh, that includes all, that represents all, that allows all to to really really feel like there's there's a there's a place for them uh, within within the the culture uh, that you happen to be working with. Gotcha. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Folks. Uh, I trust you caught that. Uh, what I'm hearing there, uh, because what re- I hear Reverend Masando sharing with us is, is a new perspective on how we look at human interactions and how we also take responsibility and you know me you know this program personal responsibility is a big thing Um, how we take personal responsibility for what's happening in our lives and and what's happening there so you know this is really rich and i i think it's a great foundation for where we're going to take this conversation Uh, i do want to take a real quick break here in our program give our sponsors a quick second to say hello and then we're going to come right back with more from reverend masando folks this is new thought 2020 and beyond stay tuned we'll be right back with you today's episode is made possible in part by daily spirit callings A daily email affirmation, inspiration, and call to action delivered directly to your email. Daily Spirit Callings, a great way to start every day. Learn more and sign up today at spiritevolving.com. Hello again, dear ones. We are back with Reverend Masando from Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. We've been talking about radical inclusion, and uh, Masando, you were sharing on the break that uh, you've got a, a great definition of inclusion itself. Um, share that with us, would you? Yeah, so Tracy Brown, I've been plugging this book everywhere I go, but Tracy Brown um, is the current uh, chair of Centers for Spiritual Living Leadership Council, Uh, but she also has spent her life uh, doing uh, diversity and inclusion trainings within many different settings, including the corporate world, and uh, was, was my teacher when I was in ministerial school. And she just wrote a book called Stained Glass Spirit, where she gives, I think, one of the clearer and more concise um, uh, definitions of inclusion uh, that I just want to share with you because it, it really has stuck with me and I think it's a, it's a good lens to use as we talk about this word. And so the way she defines inclusion is the environment or culture we create 
when we recognize, honor, and utilize, right? I think those three words are the most important to really focus on. When we recognize, honor, and utilize the diversity within a given group. Inclusion is not automatic, and it requires deliberate intention and consistent action. I think those are good things to think about, too. But inclusion is like, it's a verb, right? <laughs> like, like all of those words, recognize, honor, utilize, like deliberate intention, consistent action. Those are all really, uh, those are all, all, all words that inspire us that, to practice this thing, right? That we can't just say uh, we are inclusive right? It actually requires that we recognize and honor and utilize the diversity within a given group and that we do it consistently and we do it deliberately and intentionally, right? And so, and I would even say strategically, right? Within any organization, like that you build that into your strategic plans as much as you can, if you can. Um, So yeah, that to me is really important to think about. Like um, that inclusion is not just like a stance, right? It's actually not a stance at all. It's a practice. Um, And because it's a practice, it means uh, we're going to continually be working on it. And we're going to continually be finding ways to, to walk the talk, right? To recognize, honor, and utilize the diversity within a given group. And we're not always going to be perfect at that. And sometimes if we're focusing more on underrepresented groups, it could feel like we're being uninclusive of folks who aren't having as much focus on because they're already represented. Right. And so it requires that we just come into some of those difficult conversations, uh, but still saying, Hey, if we're about this, uh, we have to really be deliberate and intentional and, and, and practice this thing. Right. Beautiful. Uh, great definition. I love that. And, and I'm, you know, I hear that blueprint for living, uh, I think it's a great, it, to me, it's, it's the ultimate spiritual bypass to say, oh, yeah, you can go be you, mm. and that's okay, mm. but I'm just going to turn over here and be me and not, not engage with you, mm. right? to turn away from a whole culture, a whole belief system, and just say, to say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's okay for you to go do that. No doubt. That spiritual bypass. I no doubt. Larger organizations where they just say, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are okay. And then secretly they're a bone. No, but no, we're the real way. We're the real one church. Exactly. Like we're just going to appease you or we're going to tolerate your existence. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Um, but we're not going to uh, uh, build it into the culture that we're seeking to create together. Right. It's much more difficult to be inclusive, right? It's much more difficult to do the radical work of, of, of discovering the ways we may be unintentionally uninclusive. Um, it's much more difficult to, to be in a room with multiple identities and uh, multiple age groups and, you know, multiple ways of thinking about the world. Um, but, you know, research shows that companies and organizations are better, right? Like they're, they're, they're more profitable and they are able to reach wider audiences when they have people at the table that represent the communities that they're seeking to serve and, and connect with. Right. Um, so that takes more time. It takes more courage. Uh, it takes more vulnerability. Um, it takes more consistent practice. Um, 
but you know, as we as we've seen over and over again, uh, like uh, it's so worth it. And from a spiritual perspective, I I believe like our ability to to really experience, you know, our connection to others, our experience of connection to the one, uh, and through that, you know, connection to every single person and and and, and being on this planet. Um, that you know, we get a deeper experience of that, not just as this philosophical statement of of oneness or that we're one, um, but actual practice. That like our practice is is seeking to un, unveil uh, the truth of that uh, within any given context. Mm, beautiful. Yes, thank you. And you provide the perfect segue to where I really want to dig in. Sweet. Uh, and our our primary topic today, folks. Uh, came to me because Reverend Masando is so involved with the environmental responsibility uh, piece of his ministry. And, and I will tell you, I I've watched as mile high church went from uh, using plastic utensils to uh, phasing those out um, from single use, uh, single stream trash cans. to now there's uh compostable and recyclable trash cans on campus. I've watched the organization take steps in that movement in that direction. On a global scale, I think what I really want to talk, dig in with is plastics. And recently, New York State uh, banned the single-use plastic bags. California has already done that. Mm -hmm. I know when I was living in Washington State, they had a uh, tariff on single-use plastic bags you had to pay a nickel if you were going to take a plastic bag yeah you know i'm i'm old enough i'm a middle-aged white guy i'm old enough when i worked in the supermarkets as a kid we didn't have plastic bags everything was paper Mm -hmm. and i remember carrying big bales of paper bags that we would eventually cover our school books with and use in other ways all that got phased out by this single-use plastic. Now, all of a sudden, we seem to see a rebellion against the single-use plastic. Mm-hmm. What's an ecologically responsible stance, but that is also inclusive mm. of those people whose jobs and livelihoods are built on plastic, those people mm-hmm. whose entire every world is built around this industry that's honestly built up in my lifetime. We didn't have single use water bottles when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or now water. We're to, now we're trying to, <laughs> bottles. Yeah, exactly. Now we're trying to eliminate them from the planet. Um, help yeah. us navigate this. I mean, I just, you know, when you look at the big picture of things, you got to just have like so much compassion just for like this whole, the way that everything has developed, right? Like it's not, you know, I mean, when, when plastics started first coming onto the scene, we found a really inexpensive way to create, you know, um, you know, bottles and containers uh, that, you know, that everyone could use. So in many ways, like the, the burgeoning of, of plastics in my mind at the very beginning was an inclusive practice, right? It gave more people more access to more things at lower costs, right? So I don't think it's like inherently evil. Um, and, you know, I've lived in places that have banned plastics. Um, it, I, when I was living in India, when I was there for my study abroad program, we were uh, in this place that uh, had had banned plastics altogether, right? And I remember it was like this little town and 
northern India that was like super clean, that recycled everything, and you didn't see plastic bags or bottles anywhere in it. There was something about that. There was just like a consciousness that I saw that I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Like there's just this ability to recognize that like we can reuse all of this stuff. There's no, there's no need to throw all of this stuff out. And a lot of it I think probably came because they had such small land. Like, you know, they, they didn't have a place for a landfill, right? Like they had, <laughs> like they're still like burning their trash, right? Mm-hmm. So it became a very practical thing. Um, but, you know, I think it's clear to us at this point that, it, that it's gotten out of hand, right? And let me preface this also by saying, like, my dad is in the oil and gas industry. And so, and I've had many family members that are in the oil and gas industry. So I have no, grown up. I know up, many members of Mile High that are in the oil and gas And so, like, I have no beef against the oil and gas industry. Like, I actually voted against the proposition this past year right uh that put all of these intense bans um because i saw that like i get that we need regulations on all of our energy and in so many aspects of of the way that you know we go about providing energy for our country but i didn't see that this particular ban would have a positive effect in the end right and i saw that it would probably adversely affect too many people for me to be able to vote for it, right? So let me preface with saying, like I think about <laughs> like having a measured uh, approach on this specific issue, and I probably have a little bit of bias given that my dad and family members are a part of the industry, right? So I want to preface all of this by saying that. Absolutely. But what I recognize is like, you look at the ocean, <laughs> you look at these miles and miles of plastic waste that are accumulating there. You look at how, how we're like almost forced to use, like you have to create a lot of um, uh, c- like conscious use of reusable bags and containers in order sort of to rebel against uh, how often we are asked to use these single plastic products that then we're just being told to either throw away or maybe recycle. But recycle is the last thing we want to do. We want to reduce, reuse, and then recycle. You know what I mean? I think like we forget about those two first steps, right? That we right. that I learned about in like third grade, like reduce, reuse, then recycle, right? Like recycle is kind of the last resort actually. Do you remember the Jack Johnson song? Uh, I don't know if I do. There's a great little song that my kids were brought up listening to. So, and uh, Jack Johnson, reduce, reuse, recycle, right? It's, and we do, I agree with you. We forget those first two steps and it's, it's as easy as saying no, thank you to the straw at at the, at the quickie mart or saying, no, I'll take a, I'll I'll take my own water bottle, but yes. So, I mean, no, totally. I mean, it, it, but I love what you're saying because like, this is also spiritual work, like becoming more conscious of these small things and ways that we can make a new choice and taking our own tiny little personal responsibility for it. Right. Um, I'm like really reducing my red meat consumption. Like I've, you know, I've tried to only eat it like maybe once or twice a month because I know like that can have a large impact on, um, on, on our, our carbon in the atmosphere, right? Like I know that's one of the greatest ways that I could reduce my carbon footprint is, is to eat less red meat. And I, 
I'm working towards just not eating it at all. Right. Um, and so, but it takes, right. It takes this conscious effort. Uh, it takes this discipline, but also, you know, deriving a sense of joy out of doing that, that I think allows us to, 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 to make these small changes. Right. So, you know, I think each one of us can have our own small impact and we can of course influence the circles around us, hopefully not a way that like is, is guilt tripping everybody around us, but by being an example and like sharing the way, the reasons why you value these things and sharing the practices that you are participating in into doing your own little part. And, you know, I recognize all of us doing our own little part isn't going to have the greatest impact, which is why I think like influencing legislation is also a part of our spiritual work because it has an ultimately a greater impact on everything. Like, I mean, my big thing is like, we need to not just work with regulations. We need to work with incentives, right? So Mm -hmm. that's how I, I just think like as humans, we're much more motivated by like moving towards something than like eliminating something we can't do, right? Like I know in my journey in health, I'm much better if I'm motivated by like feeling better throughout the day, by having more energy, um, by, you know, just eating, eating in ways that I know are even better for the environment rather than like, I can't eat this and I can't eat that and I can't do this. Like I'm much more motivated by pleasure. I'm much more motivated by joy. I'm much more motivated and I, by, by things that, that like incentivize me to be a better, more healthy human. And so I, I also think that like we can do our best to, to influence legislation. So we're not just having regulations, which is, I think, totally needed uh, as far as carbon emissions go, as far as our plastics production go and usage goes, but also like incentivizing these companies, right, to just shift the ways that they're doing business so that they don't have to take a loss so they can do so over time you know, so that like it ultimately benefits everybody, um, but doesn't do it in a way where we're like, we're punishing people, right? Because we're all a part of this, like we're all responsible for this phenomenon. So we can move, we have to, we have to change together and hopefully do so in a way that's positive um, for everybody. Oh, that's fabulous, Mike. Um, Masanda, I'll cut that back out too. Oh, that's great, Masanda. Thank you. And you know, you you bring forward, I think, is a great thing. There, there is a retooling that's going to need to happen. Uh, recently, a couple of Colorado legislatures introduced a ban on polystyrene, right? So styrofoam and polystyrene takeout containers and restaurants. And, and there's a lot of talk that, um, you know, okay, the restaurant industry might embrace this, but they're taken by surprise. They know the the packaging company has already said they 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 don't embrace this and and they're and what I read in the article was the legislators are responding to the fact that they tried to regulate and put in regulation that said these are our parameters these are our desires but it couldn't get passed mm. and. They're hoping that just by creating an outright ban, and the ban doesn't take effect for a few years, but by creating an outright ban, the industry will step up and innovate to mm. find that new way. I like that. We, I do too. It's, it, it feels like more of a both-and approach rather than, oh, you're wrong and we've got to put you out of business 
and you can kiss your livelihood goodbye, Mr. Styrene producer, to <laughs> how do we support you in being part of the change? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see money poured into research around new technology, right? Like, that's the beauty of our species, that we have this ability to adapt and innovate, right? Like, we've had a really amazing technology uh, for electric cars for a while, right? Like, mm-hmm. we've had, um, we have technology for renewable energy, right? And so, um, and now it's finally becoming actually less expensive. Right. Right. And so to me, it's like, how can we create incentives so that these energy companies can be about energy and not the form of energy? How can we create incentives and give people enough time? And maybe there is this, this, there does have to be this fine line, right? Like maybe we have to say like, here's how much time you have. And here's, here's all of the, um, here's all the technology that you can do to, to, to get there so that, you know, people's livelihoods can still stay intact and, and I think ultimately thrive, right? Because I'm, I'm like, you know, the, the latte cart, you know, the fact that they have compostable hot cups, like to me that kind of blows my mind. Like that's right. kind of recent uh, technology that you can have a compostable cup, like a fully compostable cup that can create hot liquid. Because back in the day, the only compostable cups were, were they're like made out of corn products or some form of that right and so if you put hot liquid in them they would melt right so it's like you can't you can only have compostable cups that that can hold cold liquid and so now we have this technology that you know now now like literally everything we have on our campus now is compostable um i think our greatest challenge is is the culture and shifting making sure people are aware of that and are really mindful as they're they're putting different things into the different receptacles, right? But people are, people are bringing their own. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying, right? Mile High has a compostable campus, but you can't stop people from bringing things in from outside. So they no doubt, up, you know, an aluminum can. They bring up a paper bag from Wendy. They from their breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever it might be, and that ends up in the compostable stream. Yep. Yeah. And there's some stuff from our cafe right where we serve food uh that's not compostable and so people have to sort right and so we're trying to find ways i think to i think we're we're going to do a campaign here soon where we're just educating people about that but this is all just cultural stuff and i think people anytime there's change there's going to be a feeling of being threatened by that change and i know myself like you know, change can be really tough, right? And there's some personalities, I think, that embrace change more than others um, because that's who they are. Um, But, you know, I think what's very clear that, like, our world is going through massive amounts of change in short periods of time. And I think, ultimately, it's creating some stress on us, right? Like, there's this, I can't remember the saying, like, this, uh, this, statistic around technology that you know we're going through more major changes like within a lifetime than most people like went through like in multiple lifetimes just 50 or 100 years ago you know what i mean like that's just sort of the world that we're living in now but anytime we go through change that creates stress on us 
And so a lot of this work, right, is how do we how do we navigate, which is why I think spiritual work is so important, like what which is why I think spiritual community isn't going anywhere. I think if anything, we need this stuff more than ever. Um, that as we go through these changes, both as societies, as organizations, uh, as companies, as churches, uh, that we recognize that like it creates stress. Uh, and how do we rely upon spiritual practices that bring us back to center, that allow us to be mindful, that allow us to be compassionate, allow us not to freak out, that allow us to freak out, but then come back to a place of understanding and compassion and recognition of the one uh, so that we can navigate this world that is just massively changing all at once, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an exciting time to be alive, to see it all. Uh, you've sparked so many variations of conversations we could go down, uh, roads we could follow. And, folks, we do need to get a quick break in here and let our sponsors say hello and let you know what's going on uh, with them. So we're going to take a real quick break, but I promise we're going to be back right away with Reverend Masando uh, and continue this conversation and learn a little bit more about how you can start doing these things in your life, what you can do to be part of the change. So uh, let's take a break, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with you. Today's episode is made possible by a generous donation from Spirit Evolving Ministries. Learn more about Spirit Evolving at spiritevolving.com. Hey, dear ones, we are back at Reverend Robert New Thought 2020 and beyond where we're exploring the social and political issues of our day from a higher consciousness. I have with me today Reverend Masanda Hiroka. He is from Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. And I do want you to remember that uh, all political opinions are, the, uh, are solely of our own. Uh, these are personal. When we get into politics, we want to make sure that we're not confusing the organizations we represent and work with with our personal opinions and our personal perspectives. So this is that place where we forget who we work with and who we work for, and we uh, and we remember that these are personal opinions that we discuss here. So uh, Reverend Masando, here it is. 2020, the 2020 campaign for president of the United States has already begun. <laughs> there is talk of the current president seeing multiple challengers in that party's primary, which is unprecedented. There mm. is a huge field in the opposing party or the Democratic Party's field of potential candidates, <laughs> some of which... Uh, Many question or even whether they're even Democrats or not, uh, <laughs> and yet uh, there's a vast majority. Listeners of this show know that I'm pretty hip on Marianne Williamson and bringing the <laughs> politics of love onto our planet. Uh, there's others out there we've talked about, and we're, we're keeping an eye on all these folks. We know it's too early to say, "Wow, this is the person that's going to win." But uh, let's check in early. We'll probably hopefully do this again and again over the next couple of years. Who do you like right now? But more importantly, what is it you like about that? <laughs> well, I'm just like, I'm pretty amazed at all of the folks that are coming out. 
I feel like um, there is a level of engagement happening in our country of 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 being a citizen and of people stepping up into leadership uh, at unprecedented levels, right? I'm really sort of uh, just, I'm amazed at how many folks are coming onto the scene that are perhaps relatively new to politics or perhaps just relatively new to Washington or perhaps uh, just maybe becoming more known at this level at this time. And I'm also fascinated by social media's impact on all of this, right? Like it has changed the game. Like it has changed the game. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated. I think we, the democratic party has what, like 19 candidates now and just like more to come. Like we just know there's only more that's, that's coming out. And like to me, um, I'm, I'm just, just, patiently watching it all right like um and i i think that the you know the current administration has created this engagement right for better or for worse wherever you fall on that i'm really excited about how many people care about politics now and care about uh be, being uh like a like a citizen a powerful citizen in the, in in their both local governments as well as well as beyond um so i'm just fascinated by how all this is playing out um you know the folks that that have i think just surprised me i think the one dude uh the one guy that surprised me the one candidate that has surprised me the most is mayor pete mm. uh, mayor pete Buttigieg. And this, this guy speaks seven languages. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He is kind of casually, he's an openly gay man. He's kind of casually, I think, like the one of the most intelligent people uh, like I've ever seen within the political game and within the political spectrum. And I find his way um, just to be incredibly refreshing. Because I don't find that he's combative, and I don't find that he's he's even trying to like sell himself in ways that I think politicians are often trying to sell themselves. I just find his way to be forthright, honest, and so intelligent. Like I know this guy is miles more intelligent than I will ever be, and that's kind of what I want in my president. I think. Um, so he, I think, has been the one that has surprised me the most. Um, and he's also just sort of subtly inspiring in his way as well. Like, I, I, I think, I believe being uh, an inspiring orator is, a, is an important part of being, you know, the, the leader of our, of, our, um, of our nation. And I find him to be super engaging. Um, so, you know... It's really, I think he, for me, has been the person that surprised me the most. And I think he's kind of having his moment right now. I, I think he's probably mm. surprised, uh, or maybe he's not. Maybe he, he knew exactly what was, what was going to happen. Um, but again, I think the social media uh, presence has changed the game, right? This dude, this mayor, who doesn't have any real experience in Washington, who has uh, tried to run for higher offices and has not made it, who... Um, it's just like his only governance has been of this small town 
but he's done really well there. Um, is all of a sudden like one of the main names on the Democratic ticket. Uh, it's pretty cool to me, um, and just right. I think very reflective of the times we're living in. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I I, I agree. We uh, Mayor P is a is a unique per I from my perspective a unique campaign even to date. Yes. He's, he's not announcing any policy issue, uh, any policy statements. He's not taking any re- direct overt stances on many of the major issues right now. He's simply just being a guy that wants to help. It seems. Yeah. And, um, I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes and, and how it fleshes out. Um, Yes, I love the fact that we have an openly gay candidate. Uh, I love the fact that we have candidates of color and different spiritual beliefs and different different religious backgrounds. Uh, you know, as much as uh, Marianne Williamson actually refers to her Jewish background, and mm-hmm. I've heard news outlets that are referring to her as the first potential Jewish president, uh, <laughs> yeah. which even... And, so we've got this wide, wide range. I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, I said this a couple of weeks ago, folks, on now, uh, I think it, one of the other episodes. I'm in the process of giving a dollar to pretty much everybody that's running because I want to see everybody get on that debate stage. <laughs> I want to see 19 or 20 or 25 voices. I want to hear the gay perspective. I want to hear the perspective of people of color. I want to hear all the various perspectives of what a party could be, what a platform can be to move our country forward. We, we're doing the hard work of, of creating a world that works for everyone. Now, that statement is loaded to the hill with <laughs> the assumption that my way is the way it should work and your way is maybe so, maybe not. However, I still see that happening. We're working towards this something, and, it, and it's not easy work, right? It's hard work. All these candidates are out there trying to do the hard work, uh, willing to do that hard work. Not everyone can run for office in their home state. Not everyone can run for office in uh, at a national level. What can what can we do to move to move this conversation forward as the everyday person? Yeah, you know, I uh, I really focus a lot about focus on this a lot in my workshops. Um, I'm doing a social uplift ministry workshop here at Mile High in June. Um, and it really is about, for me, it's finding that place where, uh, where that world's greatest hunger and your deepest joy and passion meet, right? I think we can't try it. Well, first of all, it's clear that we can't do it all, right? Even within the social justice realm, like the amount of issues out there that you could spend your entire life working for is pretty overwhelming. Right. And the work, the emotional work, the physical work, the psychological work that each one of those requires in order to sustain itself over a period of time, in order to influence change at a higher level, you can't, I mean, just focusing on one thing 
can be totally all engulfing and you could experience the kind of fatigue that would make you want to walk away from it forever. However, there are unique gifts and talents that you bring. And there are aspects of this stuff that bring you joy where you can take your unique gifts and talents and do your piece, right? And if you're not connecting with what brings you joy, if you're not connecting with with what gives you pleasure, if you're not connecting with those aspects of life that give you life, right? You're not going to be able to, to sustain yourself for long enough in creating influence and changing the world uh, in a way that will have lasting impact. Right. And so if you have a real honest aspiration, um, Engage in stuff that calls to your heart and engage in stuff that brings you joy. And when you're looking for your peace, you know, be really honest about the unique gifts and skills and talents that you bring to the world and be unapologetic about those things, right? Be unapologetic about yourself as a communicator or a writer or an organizer or an administrative genius, right? Right or an influencer on social media or whatever it happens to be. Right. (laughs) Or a craft maker. Right. (laughs) And find those things that give you joy and find the things, the, the issues that you're so deeply passionate about, so deeply connected to and make those two come together so that your particular piece in that greater particular piece can unfold in a way that gives you life, right? And that's how the world changes, right? It's all, we're all doing a small part. And there may be some of you that are being called to run for office, right? And so do that, right? Go start in your city council or go start just showing up in your legislators' offices (laughs) and talking to them. But even when you show up, you're gonna have to talk from a place of passion. You're gonna have to talk from a place of vulnerability You're going to have to speak from a place that is real to you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not connecting with that every step, every step of the process, every step, you know, um, like your ability to have influence will be much less. So that's why it's spiritual work, right? Like we have to continually be connecting with those things that bring us joy. We have to continually be connecting to our, 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 our greatest, truest truth about ourselves and those unique gifts that we bring to the world. And we have to be willing to and bold enough and brave enough to actually bring those out into the world. Yeah. And that, and that's what's required. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. You remind me of a lesson. I was uh, very, very early on in my introduction to new thought, metaphysics, the, the science of mind philosophy. Uh, one of my great early teachers would often say, pick, the one thing and let everything else in your, your world line up behind that one thing, put one thing in order, get one thing solid and strong in your life, get committed and focused and dedicated to that one thing and everything else lines up behind that. Mm, Yeah. At that time he would suggest what if that one thing was your spiritual practice? Mm-hmm. What if that was your prayer, your visioning, your meditation, your contemplation practice, your activity, your physical practices? And what if that one thing is 
your activity in the world, your social action in on the planet, whether it's politicking, whether it's garden building a community garden or uh, whatever way you're going to get involved. So, uh, you know, I want to thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Reverend Masando, this has been a a fabulous conversation before we do wrap this up. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how people can stay in touch with you. How can they reach out for you? What kind of projects you got going on? I, I hear that you got a a great workshop coming up in June. Yeah. About everything. Yeah. So you can, you can, uh, go to my website, which I share with my wife, Rebecca, uh, and we're still, it's still a work in progress, but it's called humanspirituality.net. Uh, and the tagline is uh, deeply human, unapologetically spiritual. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, I think, a lot of our approach to, to this is really embracing our human nature and really embracing our spiritual nature and know that they're, they're not in conflict and actually they're, they're complements of each other. And at the, at the root of everything, they're one. So we, uh, we have writing on there. Uh, we have, I have, um, you know, uh, some uploads of talks that I've done. Um, and then we also have a place on there to uh, contact us if you want to do some personal coaching or counseling, spiritual counseling. Uh, it has a list of all the places I'll be guest speaking and doing workshops. Uh, so everything that I'm up to really can be found there. Um, and then the things that I'm specifically doing through Mile High Church, love for you to go check out milehighchurch.org. Uh, we have so much cool stuff going on here. Uh, I think it's one of the greatest spiritual communities on the planet. So please come check that out too and see what else we're up to as well. Wonderful. Yes. And we will include links to all of those uh, resources down in the show notes below the episode there folks you can pick those uh click through those and reach out and you know if you're in the colorado area drop by my ohio on a sunday and you can often find reverend masando running around doing something i know they <laughs> yeah is in town they keep him busy working on sundays so uh drop by on a sunday and say hello to uh, Reverend Masando and his lovely wife, Rebecca. Uh, and, you know, I want to say real quickly before we wrap this up, Masando, uh, I, I really appreciate your piece uh, today in our discussion. We didn't have time to explore it, but your, your personal journey towards moving away from red meat and into a, a more healthy lifestyle, I got to tell you, since I, um, I'm not fully vegan, but as I am more and more, there's some great recipes that we're coming up oh, yeah. with. Um, I'd love to have you up to dinner some night and show Ooh, up. Yes. Uh, I, I think I'm at a point where I can almost do a vegan barbecue and nobody would even know it. <laughs> nice. So, uh, I'd love to have you guys up for dinner sometime. Nice. That sounds awesome, man. All right. Well, again, thank you for being with us. Everyone else out there in the world, thank you for listening. This has been New Thought 2020 and beyond, exploring the social and political issues of our day from a higher consciousness. My name's Reverend Robert Brzezinski. It's been a great pleasure to be with you, and I look forward to being with you again soon. Until next time, dear ones, go forth and prosper. Peace and blessings. On behalf of everyone that contributed to today's episode, I'd like to say thank you. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating in the discussion. And thank you for being part of the consciousness that shapes the future of our political and social discussions. Learn more at newthought2020.org. That's newthought2020.org. And please invite your friends to listen to the podcast, newthought2020.org. Until next time, peace and blessings, go forth and prosper.